0: Well before we begin, I want to take a moment to thank the Lord and to thank you for calling me here as your new associate pastor. I am so <laughs> I'm so excited to be here uh, serving the Lord together with you. Uh, as part of that, uh, Dana is actually gone, Pastor Dana is gone for the next, uh, this week and then next Sunday. He's in France and so I will be up here this week. And next week. And uh, I'm actually beginning uh, or continuing a sermon series. We've been learning uh, what it means to live in light of the second coming of Christ. And we're going to continue that as we focus on sharing the gospel and being a witness for the Lord. Uh, so buckle up and get excited uh, for the summer. And please join me in a quick prayer. Lord, thank you that we get to come together today to hear your Word. Thank you that I get to take part in this, and that they get to take part in it as well. Bless the giving and the receiving of your Word, and may we act on whatever you are calling us to do today. We love you, Jesus, and we're excited to be here. In your Son's name, Jesus Christ, amen. Sometimes I think the church is a little like a fairy tale princess. Sometimes I think the church is a little like a fairy tale princess. If you've ever heard the story of Rapunzel, you know it is about a girl with long, blonde hair. And when she is a child, she is stolen away into the forest by an evil witch. And that evil witch hides her in the tower. And there Rapunzel waits and waits. And her hair grows longer. And the only way in and out of the tower is climbing up and down her hair. So for Rapunzel, it seems almost impossible to escape. And if she did try to escape, chances are the evil witch would catch her. So she spends her days waiting and singing and hoping. She doesn't venture out into the forest. She doesn't venture out into the world beyond. She just waits there, hoping that one day her king or her prince will come and rescue her and take her away and give her a glorious kingdom where she can be with him. But until that day, she spends her time keeping herself busy. Sometimes I think the church is a little like a fairy tale princess. We too feel locked a bit away by the world, tempted by the evil one. We know that our king will one day, he'll come and he'll rescue us and he'll take us away, but until that day, we wait in our tower and we keep ourselves busy. We're a- afraid to go, to go out into the world, to go out into the forest, and we forget that our king asks us to do something before his return. He asks us to take a leap of faith and leave the tower. He calls us to share the good news about him before his return. But we don't want to share the good news. We want to keep it to ourselves. We want the kingdom, and we want it in our tower. In our text today, the disciples are a little like Rapunzel. They too want the kingdom. They want the king, but they don't want to go out into the forest. But of course, the king has different plans. Let's read about those plans in verses 6 through 8. Acts chapter 1, 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons. That the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Here in Acts, the disciples know that they are supposed to go out and brave the force. Jesus Christ has already commissioned them; He has sent them out, and they they they, they ask this question. Because the disciples want the kingdom before working for the king. The disciples want the kingdom before working for the king. But do we make the same mistake sometimes? Do we also want the kingdom before working for the king? Well, when it comes to Jesus, we can want his world without his witness. When it comes to Jesus we can want his world without his witness, The disciples wanted the kingdom before obeying the king. Verse 6 says, So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, when they're asking this, they're standing on the Mount of Olives. So this is at the end of Jesus' 40 days of ministry. They're standing at the Mount of Olives, and they ask him this question. And Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. So you would think that they would spend this time worshiping their king, are just spending some last moments with him. But instead, they begin to pepper him with questions. Now, our text says that they, that they asked him, but it's more like they questioned him continually. They repeatedly, they kind of bugged him. Like, are you, are you at this time restoring the kingdom to heaven? Are you at this time restoring the kingdom to Israel? And, 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 uh, and they, they keep asking it because they want the kingdom a little early. And there was nothing wrong with asking for the kingdom of God, but they're not asking for the kingdom of God. They're asking for the kingdom of man. They want Christ Jesus to restore the nation state of Israel, and they want to work, they want to reign with Christ. They they, they want to set up dominion. And honestly, it seems like a pretty good chance to do this, a pretty good opportunity. Jesus just rose from the dead. It's a pretty good time to take over the world. You can imagine what they were thinking. They are probably thinking about the temple and the Sanhedrin. And wow, wouldn't it be great if if Jesus just walked into the temple? Man, you can see the the look in the eyes of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And once once he's taken over the temple, why not all of Jerusalem? And well, Judea, maybe North Samaria. Let's go to Rome. Let's take over Rome. And then the end of the earth. But Jesus says his kingdom is going to come a different way. It's going to come through the witness of his disciples. In, in Luke chapter 24, back, back in, uh, in Luke, he already told them to go out and preach the good news. They're a little stubborn. So in verse 8, when we get to that, he'll have to remind them that no, they're supposed to be his witnesses first. The disciples wanted the kingdom before obeying the king. The disciples didn't get it, but maybe we do. Maybe we understand that we also are supposed to witness before Christ's return. Well, when it comes to Jesus, we can want His world without His witness. I know that when I was a kid, I used to either lay out on the trampoline or or I'd bounce up and down on the trampoline, and I would gaze into the beautiful blue Colorado sky and the, the white clouds, and I would dream about Christ's return, and I would think about all the cool things I would get to do when Jesus came back and how wonderful that would be, and that rarely ever motivated me to share about Jesus. There's nothing wrong with dreaming about Christ's return. It's a good thing to dream about Christ's return. But if all we ever do is dream, then we're actually disobeying. Christ calls us to more because he knows his kingdom is coming back soon. So he asks us to take a vertical and a horizontal approach. We just can't bounce up and down in in anticipation. He calls us to keep our eyes on Christ and our hearts on Christ, but keep our words and our actions towards our neighbors and telling them about Jesus and his return. Christ is coming soon, and our neighbors and those around us need to hear about Jesus Christ. They need to hear about salvation. So when it comes to Jesus, don't want his world without his witness. Want his world and his witness. Well, when the disciples ask Jesus about the kingdom, he answers by talking about his father in verse 7. He talks about God. It says, he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. So what does God have to do with this? What does the father have to do with this? We already know that when it comes to Jesus, we can want his world without his witness well, when it comes to God, we can want His power without His purpose. When it comes to God, we can want His power without His purpose. Sometimes we want God's power for our own purposes and our own plans. The disciples ask Jesus a question, and Jesus says, No. And and the reason he, he doesn't answer them is because of the nature of their question. They are asking when Jesus is returning. And remember, that information belongs to the Father. That information belongs to God. So for them, Jesus didn't even have that information. It says in the New Testament. So for them to ask for that information is actually to place themselves over Jesus, to have something that he doesn't have. And Jesus denies them because he knows that they can't handle the power of God. We also can't handle the power of God. How many times do we ask for the blessings of God over our lives and yet refuse to let him rule and reign over every aspect of our lives? How often do we pray to God and ask him to answer our questions but then are unwilling to spend time in prayer getting to know the one we're praying to. How often do we want to convert sinners for Jesus Christ, but are unwilling to eat and drink with those sinners? How often do we want wealth and prosperity, but know it's secretly about us and not about God? Sometimes we want God's power for our own purposes. I worked at a tour shop in Estes Park called Indian Village. I worked there for 11 summers. And as part of my time there, I got to train fellow employees. And uh, sometimes I would train them in easy jobs, sometimes I would train them in hard jobs, and sometimes I would train them in frustrating jobs. And it wasn't necessarily that the job itself was that frustrating, but how we did it was frustrating. I'm sure none of you can relate to that. And one of these jobs that was especially frustrating was watering baby cactus. Now, someone thought it was a good idea to take a small cactus, put it in a little pot, put a magnet on it, and put it on the fridge. I guess that's one way to keep your husband out of the fridge. Now, the, the way to water these baby cactus is you take the pot, it has a small hole in the bottom, and you place it in a, large, uh, a shallow, large pan. And you would let them soak in about half an inch of water seems pretty confusing. But when I, when I told one of our new employees this, she looked at me and thought I was crazy. said, wouldn't it be much easier if we just took a spray bottle of water and just sprayed all the cactus? Yes, that would be easier, but then all the cactus would die. The better plan, though it was more frustrating, was to take the time to do it the right way. God's purposes, God's plans are often more frustrating, but they are always better. It's always better to do it God's way. We can trust him. Christ Jesus submitted to the Father's purposes, and we should submit to Christ and his purposes and his plans. But what if God's purposes aren't so pleasant? What if God's plans are a little bit uncomfortable? What about between now and the return of Christ? We, we come into trial. Well, We can experience God's power and his purposes, but it won't be easy. And take a look at the, the, the scope of the book of Acts, at the, at the whole scope. What do we see through it? We see uh, Peter, John, Paul the other apostles and disciples going out and preaching the gospel to the whole ancient world. And we see them receive beatings and floggings and persecution and suffering. And most of the disciples and apostles die a martyr's death. And yet Christ calls them to build his kingdom anyways. It takes courage to seek the purposes of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. To obey God is to invite difficulties. It is to invite rejection. It is to invite persecution. And yet God calls us to build his kingdom that way anyways. One day, Christ will come in victory over all this persecution, over all suffering, over all rejection. But until that day, he calls us to be a witness for him and to get in line with his purposes and his plans. We can experience God's power and purposes, but it won't be easy. So what have we learned so far? We've learned that when it comes to Jesus, we can want his world without his witness. And when it comes to God, we can want his power without his purpose when God came to us, he empowered us to witness to his world. When God came to us, he empowered us to witness to his world. Read verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God empowers you to witness to his world. God empowers you to witness to his world. The text says that Jesus promises them that the the Holy Spirit will come, that the Holy Spirit will come and fill them and empower them to preach uh, the gospel and to perform miracles and that people will come to saving faith in Christ Jesus, that it will happen. So Jesus is prophesying this. We'll see this happen next week in Acts chapter 2. And this, so, so this is a prophecy. This is a foretelling. But the next verb in, the, in the, the, the verse is not a prophecy. It says, and you will be my witnesses. This is a future imperative. It's a future imperative. What's that What fancy way of saying it's a command? Jesus is saying, go out and do this. He's telling his disciples, go out and be my witness. It's like, it's like uh, when your mom tells you to take out the garbage. She says, you will take out the garbage. Now, are you going to bet that that's a prophecy or a command, I would go with the command, take out the garbage. Christ is calling them to be his witness, to preach the gospel. Now, Acts 1, 7, and 8 are the great commission for the book of Acts. Jesus is sending out his disciples in light of his Father's authority. He he is saying that the Holy Spirit will come and the Holy Spirit will empower you. And if you have put your faith in Christ Jesus, you receive this same Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you if you have put your faith in Christ. So that means that this Holy Spirit is here today and is empowering you to go out and to share about Christ. God empowers you to witness to His world, He doesn't leave you by yourself. God empowers you to witness to His world. What does it mean to witness to the world? Who are we supposed to witness to? Our witness is to be local, it's to be global, and it's to be lingual. Our witness is to be local, global, and lingual. Let's look again at verse 8 where it says, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now first... Our witness is to be local. Now, these are the concentric circles of our witness. Our our witness is to be local. Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria are all around the area where they currently are. The gospel, Jesus is telling his disciples that the gospel starts in their backyard, that the gospel starts where they grew up, where they lived, where they're more familiar with. But as much as the disciples liked Jerusalem, And Judea, they did not like Samaria. The New Testament records that that they were not fans of Samaria, that uh, they they would go around Samaria, the region of Samaria, when they wanted to go to Jerusalem. And yet Christ calls them to share the gospel with everyone around them. When Christ calls us to share the gospel with everyone around us, He calls us to share the gospel with our Jerusalem and our Judea, the places that we are most familiar with, with our cities, with our towns, with our neighbors, with our friends, with our family. But he also calls us to share it with our Samaria, the people that we don't like, the people that just itch at you, that frustrate you. So it's to share the gospel with them as well. And and remember that the disciples would have felt uncomfortable doing this. They were from Galilee. Now, Galilee's a little bit above Samaria, and so they're neither upper class from Jerusalem or they're, they're neither lower class Samarians either. So they're neither upper class or lower class. So they didn't really fit in. But God calls them and empowers them to go out and preach the gospel anyways. God empowers you to witness to His world. So first, our witness is to be local. Second, our witness is to be global. Now, when we think of missions, we often think that we have to go, you know, to the other side of the world to be missionaries. And uh, that is part of it. The the first part's local, and the second part is a little bit more global, and where we we can go out. And and right in this verse, in verse 8, we actually see an outline of the whole book of Acts, So the gospel starts in Jerusalem, it starts local, you can be a missionary local, and then it builds and it goes to Samaria, and Samaria is a little bit north of Jerusalem, uh, and then it's to go to the end of the earth. And we see uh, Peter uh, preaching the gospel uh, in the first half of the book of Acts, and we see Paul preaching it in the second half as the geographic uh, impact of the gospel spreads and spreads. Now, to the end of the earth, what does that mean? Well, some think that because the gospel ends up in Rome at the end of the book of Acts, that it means that, well, the gospel is to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to Rome. But if it only meant Rome, then we actually would be off the hook, because the job would be done, and we wouldn't have to take part in this mission. But to the end of the earth actually means something much broader, something much wider. We read from Isaiah 49, verse 6 at the very beginning of the service. Well, this is where we see what it means to the end of the earth. Isaiah 49, 6 says, He says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. I will also make you a light of the nation so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. So to the end of the earth has a much more global perspective. It's always been God's plan to take the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, to every people and to, to, to every, uh, every inch of our globe. Our witness is to be global. Third, our witness is to be lingual. Our witness is to be lingual. Now, that's just a fancy way of saying that the gospel, when it spread in these different regions, Judea, Jerusalem, uh, Samaria, Rome, Greece, that these people would have spoken different dialects, different languages. We know that uh, Peter was recognized, uh, not in the garden, but uh, at the trial of Jesus because he had more of a Galilean accent. And Samaria, they would have had their own their own dialect, their own accents, as well, and, G- uh, and, and Peter or Paul preached the gospel in a variety of different languages. So all this means is that we are to make sure that every people, every type of people, every different language gets a chance to hear the gospel. That uh, we, as a church, as a manual, should be intentional about making sure that people who have not heard the word can hear it. Now that doesn't mean that we're responsible with preaching to every single people group, every single tribe, Uh, but it does mean that we should take the time to think about it and make sure that everyone hears the gospel in their own language. God empowers us as a church to witness to his world. Our witness is to be lingual. Now, last Sunday, uh, Emmanuel commissioned a team to go to France, and I know that there are other teams going out this summer But since my wife is on that team, we'll talk about them. And uh, I was here at the church on Wednesday when they packed up and headed out, and I got to uh, be with them as they were saying goodbye. And uh, before they left, they actually read through their team covenant. Now, I know Pastor Dana has talked about the team covenant, the the contract of this group, uh, but this was the first time that I got to hear it. And what struck me about their covenant was, was its intentional emphasis on the gospel. They knew that there was gonna be barriers because of language and because there'll be someplace else, there'll be international, people will be speaking French, and there'll be some communication in English, but it'll be difficult. And yet they still wanted to share the gospel. Their witness is global and their witness is lingual. And you, Emmanuel, have done a very good job in sending them over there. That's wonderful. But what about your local witness this summer and this fall? How does God want to use you to share the gospel locally? Think about it. Pray about it. See who God wants you to sit down and just have a conversation about Christ with. And share the good news about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Now, Disney retells the story of Rapunzel in the movie Tangled. Disney retells the story uh, of Rapunzel in the movie Tangled. In the movie Tangled, Rapunzel finally leaves the tower. She works up the courage and she jumps out the tower and she goes sliding down her hair and her her feet touch grass for the first time and she goes racing into the forest and she's excited to be free and then she freaks out because she finally has left the tower and everything it means. At one moment, she's excited, and she says, I can't believe I did this. And the next, she says, I can't believe I did this. At one moment, she's happy, and the next moment, she's sad. At one moment, she's excited, and the next moment, she's having a nervous breakdown. And this is probably what it'll feel like for us as a church to finally leave the tower. At one moment, we'll be excited about what God is doing, and we'll be excited to be working with God, and the next moment, we'll be (laughs) We'll be scared and we'll be afraid that we're messing everything up. But God says it's it's better to be out of the tower obeying the king than it is to be in the tower waiting for something to happen. And something will happen through Christ. God promises that we are not on our own. He has sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit empowers us to preach the good news about Jesus Christ. He is with you as you share about Jesus. God empowers you to witness to his world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are with us. Thank you that you provide us salvation and that you empower us to go out and to preach the good news about Jesus. That we do not do this alone, that our words are not just in our strength, but that we have you with us. May we faithfully share the good news about Jesus Christ. Amen. You can receive the benediction. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen.